Hello and welcome to this episode of The Big Chat with me, George Hughes. I'm the founder and creative director of video agency Small Films. In this podcast, we look at how brands, businesses and individuals can get an edge in today's fast-paced digital world. In this episode, I'm joined by Marcus Bronzy. Marcus is a TV, radio and online presenter and has appeared on CBBC, Radio 1, Capital FM and The Hook, to name just a few. He also hosts a podcast called How to Kill an Hour, where he reviews all the latest gadgets. And it's now in the top five tech podcasts in the UK. Marcus is also an entrepreneur, and his business, Podcast Studio London, helps companies to set up their own podcasts. This episode, unsurprisingly, is all about podcasting and its power to help your brand to increase its reach. Marcus, very, very glad you're joining me today on this very fine day. We've actually got hail dropping outside, which is absolutely bizarre. It's kind of just, it's, it's romantic, but at the same time, I feel like it's appropriately uh, manly as well. I feel like I've got <laughs> yeah. like a, a nice vibe in here. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of time of year where you just don't know what, what's going on, do you? I mean, it was super sunny the other day and suddenly we just can't go outside. Yeah, second day of yeah. April 2019, I believe in the last... Two days, we have had all of the seasons, so yeah. uh, we've polished off with winter now, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. I'd love to just find out a little bit about how you got started in the first place, because obviously you've done, you've done a lot of stuff now. Yeah. Where did it all start for you? You were an assistant producer, right, working for... Yeah, so, yeah. oh God, how long you got? Right, so <laughs> I think the, the, easiest way of, the easiest way of putting it is um, I studied production at university. So I was very interested in, in making media. So it's media production. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I was like, right, let me do a course where you learn about the visual side of things, the audio side of things, and everything else in between, like graphics and stuff. Um, and it's funny, after my first year of the course, I decided I didn't want to go any further with the audio side. And you could kind of, as your course progressed, you could specialise. Um, but after I left the university, I kind of fell in love with radio, which came from an earlier passion that I had for DJing which I kind of used to pay the bills at university, really. You know, DJ a few sets, get a few beers in, you know, get some food on the table. Nice, yeah. Um, so I wanted a way after university to pursue the music that I enjoyed, uh, but in a professional way using my production skills. So radio was a really good place to do that. And like you said, started off, uh, you know, before an assistant, I started off making teas on a community radio mm-hmm. station and just kept on asking for more experience and shadowing and that led on to working in production and presenting on a community level. And then pretty much did the same thing at a station called BBC Radio 1 Extra. Oh, um, I've heard of yeah, that might, one, might, yeah. Might, yeah. Might yeah. that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> National station. Yeah, so started off getting work experience there and asked for so much work experience that they said they could no longer give me work experience. <laughs> They're going to have to pay me. And I was like, oh, great, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and went on from there. And I think my, my trajectory is kind of, always being focused around having passion for what I do. I think that's really what kind of pushed me into the area I'm in. What about, so when you were working for Radio 1 Extra, what was the your first sort of foray into actually doing some presenting versus just working behind the scenes? Right, so I... After piloting a few, quite a few times, I've got to be honest, it, you know, I, I had to really make sure that I made a really good pilot. They chose me to cover a UK garage show which was from 1am till 4am in the morning. Great place to try stuff mm-hmm. out. And it was mainly music. You played music for about 10, 15 minutes, spoke a little bit in between. It was all about the mixing at that time. And it's all about, you know, just really focusing on the music. And that was a great way for me to kind of just experience how the whole system worked because DJing is something that I really love doing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of not the easy part, but I'd say the less kind of, time-consuming part of what I need to do is being a broadcaster. So it enabled me to to take on how you make a radio show, like the other parts of it, where you talk here and there. 
And then just being in that building, I've got to say, anyone that works in the radio industry, I think spending some time at the BBC, either just sitting in on a show, I, I, I say this to other presenters as well, other, mm-hmm. uh, at various outlets, spend some time at other brands and other stations and see how they do things, because I think I really learned a lot from the B, just kind of just mm-hmm. being in there, yeah, looking and listening. Yeah, I think um, I'd be interested to sort of be a fly on the wall at Radio 1 sort of offices. I mean, I've worked at the BBC, but it was at the... Bristol office, which is where the Natural History Unit is, so it was all quite kind of slow and slow-paced and quiet, and everyone was quite bookish. Yeah. I imagine it's quite a different pace of uh, life at BBC Radio 1. Yeah, oh, 100%. I think it's, it's their their prime output is is youth and being on the pulse of new music, so it's great being in an office environment where, you know, some people might go to seminars in a different... (laughs) <laughs> area of work but you know in Radio 1 it was we're going to go to a gig we're going to go to a festival we're going to go to a live show and obviously they put on their own as well so it's kind of being on the pulse of stuff as it happens mm-hmm. in the music industry is really really cool and uh, being in the production side of things as well as presenting yeah. I mean I was definitely a fly on the wall yeah brilliant <laughs> so uh, you know they say um, if, you, you know, if you're a radio presenter they say yeah. oh you've got a face for radio but of course you do stuff that's on camera as well so, uh, like, what was the sort of transition there? Where did you did you did the radio come first, or were you getting into presenting on TV first, or what? The radio stuff came first, uh, and then during my career, I moved over to Capital Radio, so Capital Extra. Mm-hmm. I did some work there, and I was always trying to write scripts and TV ideas. I kind of found this love for technology, which kind of leads on to how to kill an hour, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Mm-hmm. Love technology. So I wanted to create a TV show that was about tech. Um, so I kept on writing these ideas. I'm like, I'd love a tech show that went like this. I think the idea, I had an idea for a pilot called Tech Time or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just emailed it out to a few people. Uh, and it came into someone's inbox, somebody who ended up being my agent after that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were approached a couple of weeks after receiving an email with my pilot that I made for a tech show uh, by CBBC. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we're looking for a presenter who's up for doing a tech show. Right. <laughs> it's kind of lighthearted and fun. Wondered if you knew anyone. And he had this, this kind of pilot that I made, fired it over to them. Yeah. You know, I went in for an audition, but I think they pretty much said, right, you know, it works. And that was my first sort of foray into, into TV. So that's how it happened. Just like I said, passion led. I made a pilot, put it out there and it yeah. turned into something. So you got a real passion basically for presenting, yeah. for kind of bringing that energy to yeah. the screen or to obviously radio. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Love it, man. I, I think nowadays the key is to enjoy what you do because it's very easy for the audience to know if you're not interested in something mm-hmm. or you've not got a real passion. You know, I think sometimes it makes much more of a genuine listen for radio and, 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 and watch for TV. If you don't know about something, sometimes that makes it interesting. You, you learning about something can be some of the most compelling TV and radio to listen to or watch. I totally agree with that, definitely. Yeah. What, what for you is the sort of difference between when you're doing some radio or maybe a little bit of TV or online or podcasting? Do you think, do you, is it all the same sort of principles or do you think you have to be different depending on what hat you're wearing? Do you know what? That's a, that's a really relevant question. In 2019, that's really relevant because I'd say five years ago, there was a very clear definition between the skill set that was acquired for presenting on television and for radio. I mean, people for years have thought it's all the same thing, but I could clearly say there are great radio presenters who tried to get into TV, didn't work so well, or there were some great TV presenters that did okay in radio. There are a few that did both amazingly. Um, But as we kind of move into this environment now where everything's captured, so podcasts, for example, we work a lot of podcasts and radio, there's a lot of visual aspects to it. Uh, There's a lot of things that are filmed, which are then, they use the audio for podcasts. So whilst it's great having those different skill sets, I feel we're at a time where this whole sort of, what's the old saying? Uh, it's better to be, uh, uh, was it, um, is it jack of all trades and master of none? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the saying. So I think, whereas that used to be relevant, like, you know, don't be someone who does a bit of everything because it means you've not got a specialism. I think now more than ever, is a time where people that can do a bit of everything do really, really well, especially people that can say, I can do a bit of podcasting, I can do a bit of radio presenting, and I can do a bit of TV presenting, mm-hmm. because 
you kind of need to have elements of all of those things, yeah. whatever thing you're doing. If that, does that make, does yeah. that make sense? It right? does make perfect sense. Yeah. So I think, um, I think you've hit the nail on the head there where I think the traditional way that people used to appear on either TV or, or radio yeah. or online yeah. is really changing. So I think, you know, back, back when, a lot of presenters were a bit sort of uh, sniffy you know, they turn their nose up if they were asked to do some online stuff or yeah. do anything for YouTube because yeah. maybe the quality wasn't that good and, you know, there wasn't really the reach. But I think now that with things like The Hook, you know, who you do work with yeah. or people like Lab Bible, all these yeah. sort of online magazines, they're pre- producing a lot of really good stuff and actually some of the mainstream presenters are now moving and doing online and, and vice versa. So it's much more of a sort of, you know, a... a, a sort of ecosystem that people shift between the t- between the many things 100 percent, 100 percent agree yeah. with you there it's yeah. a really interesting time where there's a lot of change and i think some of the people that are really excelling are the people that can use some of the values that really made great tv and radio and bring that into online visuals mm. and podcasting i think they're the people that are really yeah. kicking ass at the moment because they've got this great skill set and they're applying it to this vast media that you can kind of access everywhere mm-hmm. so that's great that's great so that's like you said people like yeah. the hook and lab bible whilst yes they were very well known for quick bits of content mm-hmm. that may not have even been originally made they're kind of locking on to creating their own bits of content mm-hmm. and that is doing really really well and it's kind of showing that you know like you said these online platforms have got you know the same sort of power that you'd only presume a television station mm-hmm. or, or, or a network would have had yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, we know, don't we, that yeah, millennials don't really watch TV in the conventional sense yeah. anymore. Everybody's yeah. online. Yeah. Even if they're watching, you know, a BBC or a Channel 4, they're doing it online on their computers. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're accessing YouTube more than probably TV. Yeah. And so all those platforms are able to reach yeah. people like they never could before. Definitely. So it's quite an exciting time, really. Oh, great, man. And it also yeah. means that when people engage with your content online... You get. I feel like there's more value to the engagement, like because I feel like whether it's a, an online vid piece of video content or a podcast, I feel like that person is there because they have the time to consume mm-hmm. it, and if they don't have the time but they really want to, they can always come back to it. Yeah, you know. So I love that. Cool. Yeah. Well, look, I want to talk about um, your your podcast yeah. first of all, and then we'll talk about your business and how you help other businesses with podcasts because I think that's the part that people would be really interested to know about how they set up their own podcast. But How to Kill an Hour. So you you get all kinds of tech on there. Yeah. You review it, you unbox it, you you kind of... Tell me, how did the idea for the podcast come about? So what I wanted to do is, with How to Kill an Hour, I wanted to pick something that I was passionate about, that I liked. And I wanted to make sure that it was also in an area in the podcasting medium that wasn't actually being covered at the moment, or at that moment in time. And I remember I sat down with producer um, who still works on the show Billy great guy um, um, one of the first presenters which is DJ Ace he's a presenter on, on One Extra and we discussed a few ideas that would be good for the show and one of the things that kept kind of resonating with me very much was tech like I said I'd written this tech pilot that turned into a children's BBC show um, I loved gadgets but I felt like there was so much I could learn about tech and gadgets I felt like even though I loved them I wasn't really an expert and I was a little bit intimidated by that. And I remember someone saying to me when I was on BBC Radio 1 Extras, part of being a good broadcaster on that specific station for a certain show I was on was being an entry point for urban music, black music, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's great to be an expert at something. But imagine walking into a room and somebody's like, I don't know, imagine walking into a room with Einstein. What do you say to Einstein, right, about, like, you know, the theory of relativity? But if you walk into a room and there's a guy like, hey, I kind of like physics and science, like, right, E equals MC squared. Basically, it means, do you know what I mean? And I was like, how can we do that in tech? So um, I wrote down a whole load of names for podcasts, which were absolutely terrible, right? (laughs) One of them being... Mind sprinkles. I don't know why that was. That was actually that, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just well, you didn't call it that. I was just like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just sprinklings of our mind in a podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, we didn't. And then we kind of came up with an idea, you know, with tech, like what are we always trying to do with tech and gadgets? Mm-hmm. We're just trying to kill a bit of time, you know, maybe an hour or so, you know, killing some time, kill, how, killing an hour, something like that. And it was how to kill an hour was born. And then 
you know, that was a name. And then we, when we decided to draw down on the content, it was kind of, again, right, so I like tech and gadgets. We know there's a massive audience of people who love tech and gadgets, but they may be a little bit too intimidated. So how do we make this something that's kind of accessible mm-hmm. to all? And we were like, right, we're going to talk about tech and gadgets, but in a nice, relatable, matey, casual way. Professionally, because yeah. it's myself and a few other broadcasters, but we're going to talk about them in the way that you kind of would expect gadgets and tech to be spoken about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with a game, it's not frame rates. It's more, is it good to play with your mates? Yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. do you know what I mean? And relatable. Very relatable. Mm-hmm. And Ace said to me, Marcus, I, I, I don't know anything about tech and gadgets. And I was like, perfect. You're going to ask all of the questions that a first-time buyer is going to ask, that a consumer that really wants to get into something mm-hmm. and might be a bit embarrassed to ask that question. You know, we, 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 we'll answer those for the audience. And that's how we started. And it worked. And the, the more I've moved into gadgets and tech, the, the prouder I am to say, no, I don't know about that. Tell me yeah. about that. And it's really refreshing. People love telling you about what they do, whether it's brands or agencies or whatever. And also the audience appreciates that, you know, we can, you know, quench our ignorance together yeah you know, on the podcast so that's what it's kind of grown into article now is you know we, we're really good uh, we've got a few presenters now they all have their specialism but some of the best content is where we get a, you know the person who specializes in audio con- like production and throw them into a gaming environment or vice versa yeah you i know? think it's perfectly timed yeah. uh, to have a podcast like that because we are living in a world of gadgets, aren't oh, yeah. we? I mean, it's just oh, unbelievable. Yeah. There are yeah, gadgets for absolutely everything you can think of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful time to be around, really. I think we land on our feet yeah, there, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, Provided yeah. Provided you've got, you know, enough pocket money to actually go and buy them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what's great is people are very willing to let us try, try yeah. stuff. And, and yeah. uh, uh, there's more tech that's in cars now, we're finding out, yeah, you know. Yeah. Being approached by car companies to, to, to try out stuff. And entertainment is something that's really important to everyone as well. And, yeah. As media all moves online, just the devices that people use to connect mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. So, yeah, you know what? I think it wasn't intentional, but yeah. we're in a place now uh, that's really growing. And, and even in gaming as well, I, I mean, hands down, that is an enormous media mm-hmm. format that a lot of people don't realise, you know, how big gaming is across the world. Um, you know, some of the production budgets Oh, it's go insane, into, isn't it? It's absolutely insane. Are crazy, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But again, going back to that thing about people that have uh, a skill set that's, that's, you know, could be called, you know, classic skill set like film. Mm-hmm. Film. Uh, I met a cameraman the other day who did a 3D shoot. Uh, it's for Love and Robots, I think it's a new mm-hmm. show on, on Netflix. And he's a cameraman, camera operator. He got called down to a studio to hold a virtual camera because they wanted a proper camera operator who kind of knew how to move around the set. Wow. And he had to move a virtual camera around with a virtual viewfinder looking at two people in mocap suits. Do you know what I mean? I, I like that. That is That's crazy, amazing. right? So, yeah. um, you know, it that's... Really is. I just, just, that just reminded me of, yeah. kind of, kind of yeah, what I said. That's so. nuts. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, but yeah, how's it now? Yeah. Let, let me say, uh, what's your... Give me your, the best gadget that you've reviewed <sighs> in the recent, like, oh. I don't know, in the last month or so. Oh, all right. One, one that people thought was really cool, you might think this is pretty cool actually, was this thing by DJI, the drone company. Yeah. They made this little, um, it's, it's called a gimbal, right? It's a little mm-hmm. handheld gimbal. It's, it, basically, if you don't know what a gimbal is, listening or watching, uh, it's something that steadies a camera, mm-hmm. right? Basically, you, know, you can run around with a camera, it keeps the image nice and steady. This thing was like the size of a Mars bar or a chocolate bar. And a 4K camera, really high quality camera. It could do slow mo. Uh, it could do ultra, ultra slow mo as well mm-hmm. in its own way. And I was just looking at this thing that fitted in the palm of my hand, and I'm like, quite literally, five years ago, this would have been three bits of kit mm-hmm. that would have cost loads of money. And then, you know, mm-hmm. for a few hundred quid, you know, you've got all of this production yeah. value in one hand. So that was really cool. I just thought that was yeah. cool because that could really. So that is like, you know, yeah. that's the kind of thing that I get quite excited about. Oh, I mean, man. obviously, as you just put, hit the nail on the head, yeah. the cost of something like that. Yeah. I mean, say 10 years ago, to have got a shot like that, you'd have had to get a Steadicam operator, specialist, right. yeah. with a big old back brace on to carry this enormous yeah. thing that was like, you know, attached to him like a robotic arm. 
Uh, and it would have, you know, only the, the movies could have that sort yeah. of thing. Now it's literally just, you know, here you go. Yeah. For a consumer, you know, a couple hundred quid and you're good to go. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, yeah. And I was, so yeah. When, when we saw that, when we had a go on it and yeah. we actually tried it out, I was, you know, really impressed. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Great, yeah. great entry point. And something that I found out about the other day, which is really redundant a bit of tech, but I'll let you know a little bit about myself. I am a creature of comfort in specific mm-hmm. parts of my life. I wear the same type of sock every day, right? So there's a specific brand of sock. Is that now like colour or is that sort of length or weight or what is it? Great question. <laughs> Great question. So I wear a specific type of brand of sock, right? And until very recently, it only came in black and white. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great if you know me, Christmas or birthday, including you. Get me some socks or boxers, fine, fine. Cool. Yeah, boxers is the same as well, but we won't go that way. Yeah. So same socks, black, but they only came in black or white. Great. Now, what I've realized though, over the years is that when you wear socks and wash them a few times, some are slightly grayer than the others, mm-hmm. right? So, and that kind of gets to me. So I have, for a few years, uh, when pairing my socks up, laid them all out after a wash and had to work out which Colour ones. Graded them, Colour graded them, just checking which ones go with which. Kind of an ash grey sock and a really dark sock. It's, oh, I do my head in. Found a bit of tech where uh, there's a little microchip in each of the socks and it counts. No. <laughs> it, it pairs the socks basically, so you can always make sure that the socks are being washed. But That's I was, genius. I was thinking <laughs> they should take it a step further. They should put a little GPS tracker in it and then we'll finally find out where that sock goes. You know when it goes I was missing? about to say, yeah. the sock monster. There you go. We'll yeah. finally solve yeah. that conundrum. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I've you got know. a theory about that. I think. What's, what's the theory? Go well, on. well, I think it's just there is an actual monster that lives under your bed and eats the sock. That 100%. Is it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. In, yeah. It's either in your bed or it's at the back of the washing <laughs> machine. It comes up and nicks them. Right. Yeah, because yeah, basically that's, that's it. So I, I was amazed. Like, yeah. Everyone else, not so much. No, uh, but, no. Um, I, no I think that's great. Yeah. No, I'd be up for that. GPS, GPS socks. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we talked about how to kill an hour. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about how you help other businesses to set up their own podcasts. Yeah. So, just briefly tell me about sort of your business and how you how you do that. So, throughout the process of making the podcast, How to Kill an Hour, uh, we learnt a lot. So taking it from just an idea to actually delivering it and maintaining a really good quality of sound and also monetizing it, advertising, brand deals. We learnt loads in that journey. We're still learning loads as well because you never stop learning in, in media. And I've been approached a few times over the last few years saying, this is, oh, I love what you do. I want to do a podcast. Oh, I love what you do. I'd love to do a podcast. Oh, I love this studio. I'd love, to, I'd love to record a podcast. How do I make a podcast? And I'll give a bit of advice here and there. Never hear from that person again. Meet them again. They'd be like, oh, I'd still love to do a podcast. Like, yeah, <laughs> my brand should have a podcast. So I was like, you know, there's a, there's a need for a service here. Let's, let's fill that gap and let's help people make prolific podcasts. You know, let's take a brand that wants to create something and let's take them from you know, the original conception of the idea to, to delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where Podcast Studio is born. Example of a client is we worked with uh, a charity recently that wanted to create some compelling content for people that were visually impaired or blind uh, to help to help educate them uh, with regards to finance and, you know, physical money and also saving and, you know, all these all these. The great interesting, interesting thing about money is that it's a very visual thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we can think about money, but a lot of us, you know, if I was to say 500 quid cash, you yeah. see that cash sitting there. Whereas, you know, someone who's visually impaired uh, or blind wouldn't physically see the cash, obviously. But, you know, the whole uh, way that the world is set up when you're making everyday transactions doesn't really suit somebody. You, you mm-hmm. can't see very well visually impaired. You know, for example, you go buy a sandwich from the shop, you know, shopkeeper says mm-hmm. £2.50 or whatever, you go tap your card and walk away. That's yeah. cool, but someone who is visually impaired can't do that. So there was uh, a massive conversation with uh, loads of experts that came along and, and we took loads of ideas that were discussed and we shaped them into a series, mm-hmm. a podcast that was designed specifically to educate those who are visually impaired, mm-hmm. those who aren't visually impaired, yep. who you, you want to know more. Uh, really understand how to manage your money with a visual impairment. And that's just a really small, well, I wouldn't say it's small. I mean, that's just a really, no, no, it's a massive, you know, it's yeah. enormous, but it's just a really simple 
way of explaining yeah. something to somebody yeah. using that heavy engagement that you get from podcasts yeah. to really spread a message. And I think what we've learned is that podcasts are great because they can be distributed mm-hmm. infinitely. Yeah. And you as a brand, if you make sure that your podcast has a, a podcast has a really good, strong message, you know, you can get it out there and it can do, you know, really good work for you. You know, if I always say to people, you know, imagine you got a salesperson paid them, I don't know, 50K a year. How many meetings could they go in mm-hmm. and sell? You know, what would be the return on, on that? And they always, you know, give me a few numbers and I'm like, what if we got rid of the salesperson yeah. <laughs> and you recorded the podcast yourself? Yeah. yeah. Every delivery would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Every delivery would be great. So there's like business applications for podcasts, yeah. edu- educational applications for them. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we do. You know, we help Amazing. people spread their messages. We help give their brands voices. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. So it's not just about um, physically recording the podcast yeah. and you know providing a studio. Obviously, I assume if people want to just yeah. rent your studio, they can potentially do that. But you're about working with a business to help them find the right type of podcast exactly. for them, the production of that, how they actually even go about that, yeah. and how they keep that going yeah. you know, in longevity so mm-hmm. that it can be prolific with their message and all that sort exactly, of thing. Exactly, exactly. Like I... I really encourage people that would like to start podcasting at home to just do it. Like I, I, I love that. And, and like you said, we offer, you know, we offer, I have a studio service where people can come in and record. That's great. But, you know, for us, it's, it goes beyond that because there's so much that you can bring to the table with podcasting if it's done really, really well. So there's like, and there's way more to it as well. I mean, a lot of people just think a podcast might, you know, a couple of guys having a chat like we are now yeah. or you know three or four people having a bit of banter but there's there's so many different types of podcasts out there there's narrative content out there that can really drill down on a mm-hmm. message um, and I think the difference between a good podcast and a great podcast is is provided in what we do so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah we've got we got studio you can come in recording but we also give you everything else around it sometimes people need a bit of coaching sometimes people just need mm-hmm. a bit of structure whether that's a script Mm-hmm. whether that's a, an email template for a guest, you know, that sort of stuff we can offer that. And I'm assuming that you can help them as well with uh, performance and delivery, you yeah. having done a lot of uh, on-camera and podcasting, of course. Yeah. I think that's something that people really struggle with. We see it a lot with video is that if you're not used to being in front of the camera, if you're not used to public speaking, it can be incredibly daunting. I'm assuming that's exactly the same with if, you know, the first time you record a podcast must be quite a terrifying thing if you've not done it before yeah i mean we part of what we, we do is we actually offer us a, a session i always say to people let's have a practice session and they're like nah don't we'll just jump in i'm like no let's have a practice session let's go through it because it doesn't have to be perfect like and a lot of people worry about you know oh i've got to get it perfect nail it the first time and and you know i think you just put it perfectly a lot of people need a bit of coaching and we can offer that and we've got methods we've got techniques you know just just certain mindsets that we mm-hmm. can help impress on people to help them kind of get the best out of themselves mm-hmm. for podcasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not every, everyone can be as smooth as you straight out of the can, George. Do you know what I mean? Takes a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I'm that smooth, if I'm honest. Ah, you're cool. Um, but yeah. You're always learning though, aren't you? You, just, yeah, you yeah, said yeah. you're always learning. You're still always. learning with podcasting. Yep, always. You're always honing your skills as a, as a presenter. Always, always. You know, me as a video person, you know, yeah. obviously always looking yeah. to learn and improve. Yeah. So it's, there's always room for yeah. improvement, isn't there? There's a great thing they talk about in radio called air miles oh we yeah discuss that so you say like the more air miles you have the, the more proficient you are as a, as a broadcaster uh, i'll make you right so like if this is your first ever hour of podcasting if mm-hmm. you compare that to a presenter that does like 20 hours of mm-hmm. broadcast of a week it's really like easy to go to flick on the radio and go why can't i sound like that i'm mm-hmm. like that person's had a lot of practice but there are ways to kind of improve that, mm-hmm. you know, we like to show people so we can kind of get you to that, you know, thousand air mile mark yeah. a lot quicker. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's what we do. Make you, cool. make you sound your best. That's our job as well. Like yeah. we, you know, we'll, we'll always make sure that our clients, you know, are sounding their best. Love it. So podcasts. Yeah. The rise of podcasts. Oh, I mean, it's been, yeah. this is something that didn't really exist that long ago, yeah. you know, and now it feels like everyone's talking about podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about video a lot, of course, but yeah, of course. podcast is a real, yeah. real sort of a current current topic at the moment. Yeah, why, why do you think it's been such an explosion? I think 
there are some key podcasts that were amazing that helped. Mm. I think Serial yeah. smashed it. So there's this mm-hmm. podcast, if you've not listened to it, yeah. listen to it. Uh, it's called Serial. Um, and it's a, that's the example of a narrative podcast, right? So to put it in perspective, that was, I think it was 10, 30 minute episodes. And no exaggeration, there's a crew of probably 20, 30 people working on each episode of it. Wow. Hun- hundreds, thousands of hours probably went into producing it. Um, and it's about, it's, it's a real life mm-hmm. whodunit. Did Adnan they do it? Syed. That's it. Adnan yes. Syed. Yeah, that's yes, it. Um, and uh, that really made waves. I think that's probably, it probably is still one of the mm-hmm. most popular podcasts in the narrative area mm-hmm. ever. I think that really worked. And then, also, I think the shift in the way that people consume music mm-hmm. changed as well. So again, around the same time we were making How to Kill an Hour happen, I could see that people are using online streaming services quite a lot more. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to like Spotify or you know other streaming equivalents, you it's it's really easy to forget that when it picks songs for you, those are tailor made songs mm-hmm. specifically for you, right? There's a tailor-made playlist specifically yeah. for you. So your Spotify would be very different to mine. Mm-hmm. Now, when you compare that to radio stations, which I still love, they have to make a single playlist that works with everyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, just, it's, it's not possible to make a playlist that, I, that everyone enjoys yeah. compared to you know, making a specific playlist for everyone. So I was like, right, cool. So that's where music's going. What's gonna happen with conversation? I think podcasting is an amazing space for conversation. And again, we all like different types of conversation. You know, mm-hmm. I've sat at a dinner table where people want to talk about politics, people want to talk about music, people, someone might mm-hmm. want to talk about gardening. So, and there are podcasts for all of those things. There's podcasts for the craziest niches out there. Mm-hmm. There's podcasts where people for a whole season will watch the same film every single week and just and pick out parts of the plot, you know. So if you're a fan of that film, you'd love it. So that's how, that is so specific, isn't oh it? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like, there's super niche super niche stuff out there. And I think that's what's really helped podcasts mm. blow up. So yeah. and also as as a podcast creator, the fact that you can access people who have really specific niche uh, interests and and talk to those means that you get some of the most valued listeners ever. Plus we're all getting busier. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, with live shows, TV and radio, uh, well, it's easier to pause TV, I reckon, now and come back to it. But with radio and stuff, you know, if, if there's a radio show on right now, mm-hmm. as we're having this conversation, I'd have to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Uh, if I didn't have a facility to listen to, listen back to it, it's gone forever. With a podcast, I could be listening to one on the way. I could be mm-hmm. listening to Serial on the way here, mm-hmm. you know, it could be episode five. Yeah. Adnan, I won't spoil it. Adnan may, have, may or may not have done something, right? Cool. At this point in the story, I'll pause it. I'll have this conversation with yeah. you and I'll consume it later. Yeah, so. you can pick it up later. That's yeah. the difference, isn't it? It's not a destination that you have to go and yeah. watch TV yeah. or you have to go and watch a YouTube video. You can yeah. just listen to it at your leisure, you know, on the, on the bus, yeah. maybe at work when people don't realise that you're doing it, 100%. you know, whenever you feel like it really. And you can pick yeah. it up, put it down, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, Exactly. So, yeah. Pick up, put it down, and you can just be yeah. engaged with it. It's definitely an amazing medium, yeah. Yeah, of course. And if you're going to listen at work, get some AirPods yeah. as well. Slip, slip one in the yeah. side, yeah. side that the boss ain't looking at. No, you're good. No one will ever know. Yeah, no one yeah. will know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a combination of things. I think the way we consume audio is a reason, and also yeah. just the fact that you can access mm-hmm. really specific things to listen to. And, of course, the technology, because the fact that you can just access it oh, yeah. so easily now, you know, and it's, it's broken yeah. down by categories. Yeah. You, you know, you've got the storage to have multiple podcasts on your, on your iPod or your phone or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does make it really, really easy. Yeah. You talked to quite a lot about, um, you know, we talked about narrative. We talked about, you know, reviewing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a bit about business podcasts because obviously that is a massive category. I mean, I yes. listen to a phenomenal number of business podcasts, as you can probably imagine. Um, there's plenty of ones that we could talk about, but I can see how if you're an entrepreneur... You know, you can create a podcast that talks about a specific industry and it can help you to get traction with people. Mm-hmm. But if you're a brand, can, can a brand have a podcast? Is that possible? How would that even work? Most definitely. I think the key, one of the key things when it comes to podcasting is knowing your audience. And if a brand is aware of its audience, it can create content to connect with them. If you're a brand 
and you make a podcast that could engage your audience, all you're going to do is develop brand trust. Sometimes the content may not even necessarily have to be about your brand specifically. Let's, I don't know, let's pluck a clothing brand or something like that, like ASOS, right? They might have a bit of information about when their customers, or quite a lot of information about when their customers use their site or their app, what they like to buy, what they like to look at. Mm -hmm. And using that data, they could create a podcast that would engage their audience. It might even be something as simple as they know their audience has free time at this specific time of day for 20 minutes. They could create a 20-minute podcast that has content in it that engages their audience. Now, once you, have, so once you have a podcast that engages an audience, you're gonna find brand trust, you're gonna find more engagement when it comes to you putting things out there. And eventually, when it comes to having conversations about sales for your product, you're gonna have more ears. Um, so there's plenty of ways that business podcasts can connect. So yeah. sometimes there's direct podcasts that can really talk about, right, this is our product, this is what we do, this is why we're great. Or there can be content by brands who maybe uh, bring a number of experts on mm -hmm. to have conversations yeah. about yeah. what they do, yeah. you know, to create relationships. Similar yeah. to kind of, I don't know, maybe we do now with this yeah, podcast, you exactly. know. Um, and by making interesting and compelling content, it's only going to build. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's very similar to uh, the advice that I give brands um, as far as video goes. It's about, you know, identifying your audience, as you said, finding out, you know, know all the information you know about them, but probably finding some interests yeah. that you can align yourself with. Yeah. So in your instance, like, so ASOS, mm -hmm. you said, they know that maybe their audience is into fashion. Mm -hmm. Maybe Nike knows that their audience is into sports. Yep. So they might start to think about doing like some sort of sporty exactly. podcast. Exactly. Or if you were Holland and Barrett, you might do something that's more like a healthy lifestyle podcast. Yeah. Something that kind yeah. of aligns with your customer's yeah. interests, right? Yeah. Or you, or you may want to engage a specific audience. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's use Red Bull. Yeah. yeah. Is it a sports drink? In my opinion, I'd say... It's an energy drink, but is it specifically a sports drink? No, but by creating content that is in the sports arena, mm -hmm. by having the Red Bull X races and all that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. they've now become a sports brand. So, for example, if you as a brand wanted to be associated with the sports, with the sports, with the area of sports, like boxing, for example, you might have a boxing podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do the same thing. So yeah. that'd be interesting. Yeah, I would. Yeah. yeah, ASOS Boxing Podcast. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. there'd be. Well, you know, I think certainly. Um, I mean, mixed martial arts has got so much traction oh, now, man. and uh, yeah. that's probably something that people would like to hear about. So. Small films, MMA podcast. Yeah, let's on the way. Let's it. do I'm it, man. Up, I'm up for it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100. Yeah. So, if uh, if you're a brand, say you're a marketer at a brand, and you're exploring different types of content and how you can, you know, reach your customers on a on a maybe more meaningful level than mm -hmm. just straight up advertising and the thing about doing a podcast what would be your advice like what what should they think about uh, i think the audience is always core to to creating a podcast so everything must come back to them really because your listener as i like to call them people say listeners but you remember mm -hmm. podcasts are, are very very likely that people are listening by themselves so you have to put yourself in your listener's shoes um so if you have any data utilize that immediately you know male female you know uh, income, whatever you have, use that, right? And you can either use that to engage more of those people mm -hmm. or less of those people. Yeah, uh, That's key, I really think. Yeah. If you don't have that information, go and try and collate as much mm -hmm. of that information as possible. Listen to other podcasts that have similar audiences mm -hmm. uh, or listen to podcasts that are really, really good but maybe are in a different genre because I like to look at radio and as like kung fu. Like I've, I've been, this is, so when I was at Radio 1, right, the old Radio 1, because it's in a new building now, I used to sit in this green room, which used to be the live lounge, and it was like a, a dead room. There was a, a studio to my left, studio to my right. And I'd work loads of different types of shifts. And it was really funny that you're sitting in this room where there was no sounds, right? It's a dead room, like, but you'd look at a presenter that was on a music station that was really specific to a genre. One genre and, and another presenter, another station that was specific to a different demographic, right? And you'd see so many of the moves would be the same. So I'd be like, they'd have the same sort of kung fu. So mm -hmm. it, I was like, my understanding at the time was sometimes it's not about the content. It's the way it's delivered. Mm -hmm. So it's what, how, you pre how you present it. And I think that's really, really important for brands as well. So for example, if you've got a, 
a listener with a short attention span, 20 minutes is suitable for them. Mm-hmm. If you've got a listener who will require 90 minutes of podcast, you know, give them the 90 yeah. minutes of podcast. And there's, and there's a lot of rules that can be broken. There's a lot of people that are like, well, podcast should only be this long. And I'm, if I'm honest, I'm like, shut up. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, yeah. nonsense. A podcast is suitable for a specific audience, right? Mm-hmm. And if you do it right, there's no too long or too short. I know yeah. people that have two-hour podcasts. Really? Millions of listeners, right? Yeah. Clearly, that works for them. There's other podcasts, yeah. 25 minutes long, millions of listeners. That works for them as well. You know, it's like, you know, short story or a magazine article uh, and a novel, you know? Mm-hmm. Two different lengths yeah. of writing, very different styles. You mm-hmm. almost wouldn't even put them in the same conversation. Yeah. Podcasts are the same. Yeah. So, yeah. And what about um, getting those listeners? Because obviously that's one of the biggest things, isn't it? You know, you want to actually have um, subscribers. Yeah. You don't want to have this podcast up yeah. there that's got three people and no one's listening to it. Of course. How do, what is the secret to that? Is it, is it consistency? Is it about trying to amplify your podcast to people, getting it out there? What would you say? It's a very interesting conversation. So there's, you know, there's big numbers and there's also quality listeners. So with podcasts, word of mouth is great, right? If you've got a great podcast, like, you know, we've, we've said, mm-hmm. we've both listened to Serial. Was it recommended to you, Serial? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah. Recommended to me, yeah. you know, and I think I've definitely recommended mm-hmm. it to your listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your listener. Yeah. I've done it myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your listener and, um, and uh, you know, there's a production team in this room and if yeah. they haven't listened to Serial, you know, I presume they're more likely to listen to it after this That's conversation right. That's right. than beforehand. Um, so word of mouth is great. It's very valuable. So ask your listeners to recommend at least one person, you know, mm-hmm. if they really like it. Uh, having big names, mm-hmm. as with any other media outlet, helps you get numbers in as well. Yeah. In terms of retention, though, once they're there, they're going to have to enjoy what they listen to to hit subscribe. Mm-hmm. So there are some people that, you know may have an amazing guest, but if their content isn't amazing after that, you may right. get a drop off, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, also stuff that's crazy and out the box, like have something that, you know, there's a, this is a, is this a clean podcast? Probably cleanish, yeah. Okay, we, cleanish. Can always, we can always add a bleep in. There was a, a, a podcast called, yeah, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Oh, I've, yeah, I've true, listened to that one as well. True story. Yeah, yeah. hilarious. Gentleman's dad wrote a porno. Yeah. Every episode, yeah. read a little bit. Christmas dinner must have been very awkward the first, <laughs> first year yeah, after that definitely. podcast did very well. Uh, but, you know, that was just totally out mm-hmm. there and different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you're saying, you know, uh, obviously you can do all these things, you can yeah. trick, tricks and techniques yeah. to get lots of subscribers, yeah. but it's got to start with good content in the it's first place. It's got to start with good content. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And not, not, just, not just what you think is good, it's what your audience thinks mm-hmm. is good, you know? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a trick that a lot of people miss is that, you know, it's your audience. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's what they value. So yeah. uh, that's a good way to get yeah. to get numbers, and also just communication. Like talk. Yeah. I think talking to your listeners is really good as well. I think all yeah. the really good podcasts. That's one gener- general thing that I see across a lot of really good podcasts. Is they're not afraid to say, "Hey, man, how's it going? Thanks mm. for listening. Tell me about us." Do you know? What I mean? Yeah, I think that's nice. It's yeah, it's a really good idea because it's a kind of like a fireside chat, yeah. isn't it? You're you're really sort of communicating yeah. on a quite a personal level with people. Yeah. Like you say, you've got one listener there, mm-hmm. they're engaging with you, you yeah. know, on a quite a sort of deep level, really. You know, yeah. you've got two earbuds in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you kind of need to get them into your world and 100%. talk to them directly. Yeah. 100%. Remember, like, a podcast is, is whispered into... You're whispering mm-hmm. into someone's ear. Yeah. I'm in your head right now, you listening to this podcast. Um, so, like, being aware of that, yeah. like I am right now, you're very aware. But being aware that your listener can hear that, yeah. do you know what I mean, is just one step towards making mm-hmm. a great podcast. But another thing about numbers, which is important though, is, and this works, this is very interesting for, for brands and some businesses that have a model where they don't necessarily need thousands of customers. They might only need 10 customers. Or they might be in an industry that's very small. So we mm-hmm. had a client that worked in fire safety. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to, take a big jump here and say that I don't think their industry was bigger than, you know, in terms of people yeah. that worked in it, because yeah. millions of people working yeah. within fire safety quite a niche, at their quite a niche industry. Very yeah. niche. So if they have 500 listeners per episode, that's a really good number. Yeah. It's not millions every yeah. week, but that's a really good number. Yeah. That could lead to, to speaking work. In fact, mm-hmm. it did for this podcast. It led to speaking work. 
um, that can lead to, to, to buy-in from customers. Mm-hmm. So really, do you know what I mean? If, if yeah. you create a podcast, if you invest in a podcast and, and you get two customers mm-hmm. back yeah. that reimburse the cost of it, that's yeah. very good. Or if you get sponsorship in, in your area of specialism, mm-hmm. you'll, be very, you'll be very valued. Yeah. So it's a chance for you to be kind of like a representative mm-hmm. of, of the industry that you work yeah. in as well. So with numbers, it's a really interesting conversation. It's something to think about as well. Do you want quality or quantity or do you want a lot of quality yeah, <laughs> or do you exactly. need it? Do yeah. you know what I mean? So no. Numbers is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, how do I know if I'm successful? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a lot more complex than that. Yeah, I can imagine uh, it, you shouldn't get too focused on the on the numbers. It's a bit like video content. We say the same yeah. thing. It's, you know, you could, you could pay an awful lot of money to advertise your piece of content mm-hmm. on YouTube yep. or wherever and you get lots and lots of views. But if you haven't got any comments or shares or engagement, that really... It's not the type of content you yeah. want. You know, yeah. you want to start with getting people engaged with it. And I think it's probably the same with podcasts. Hundred yeah. percent. All about enge- all about engagement. Yeah. yeah. We've talked loads about yeah. podcasts. I've got to ask you, yeah. what's your favourite podcast? Oh, don't do that to me. That's not fair. Right. I'll tell you what. Uh, oh, that's not fair. So many. Right. So Rick Edwards. Was a T four presenter. If you're I'm, under the I'm age familiar, of twenty, <laughs> I'm familiar with his work. <laughs> sure, we are. If you're under the age of twenty, T four was a very popular show on yeah. Channel Four uh, before uh, yeah. Netflix changed the world. Basically, yeah. um, Rick Edwards was a very popular presenter, and people were mistaken for thinking that Channel Four presenters on T four it was kind of like Hangover TV. That's what they called it, Hangover yeah. TV. You know weren't very intellectual, shall we say. That, that was a general consensus. That's how people discuss them. I know that's not true. There's very many clever T4 uh, presenters, but Rick Edwards is extremely intelligent and he loves science. He absolutely loves science. So uh, he, he's, he's hooked up with somebody, uh, he's like a doctor, he's super clever. Sorry, mate, I've forgotten your name. Um, and they've created a show called Science-ish where they take popular science fiction and discuss how feasible it is in real life but through the first season they use the medium of film so it'll be like you know they'll get uh dante's peak you know mm-hmm. could that happen in real life All right. uh, or they'd get like x-men or the matrix you know that, oh that's really deep on the matrix could that happen in real life or is it happening and they discuss it uh, it's like 20 30 minute episodes great if you're on a commute uk as well because i feel mm. like there's some great uk content here that doesn't get mm-hmm. a, a light shone on it that's doing really well i think it's on season four they've written a couple of i've actually out. heard of that podcast, oh really oh, but i haven't, oh, I haven't nice. listened to it so i'm gonna have oh, yeah, to check it out, out. Yeah. check it out um yeah. rick actually came onto our podcast the other day and and started you know telling us some facts about uh, the latest season and and the books are really good as well actually yeah. as well and i say a podcast works really well to accompany a book actually yeah. as well um I think, it's, I think there's a, a, a plant in the book. It might be in the podcast. I don't mind giving you a spoiler because it's full of gold, all of the episodes. I think there's a plant that eats rats. This is, actually exists. There's a, there's a carnivorous a plant, plant that eats wow. rats. I think it's like got a nectar in it that, yeah. that makes rats want to come over to it or, mice, and and or slip something. in and it, oh, and it slowly God. eats them over time. Sick. That's like yeah. Dave the Triffid stuff, yeah. isn't it? Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 That might even be the reference. Yeah, that's probably looking into that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, um, amazing. Well, we'll have to look out for that yeah, one. Man. Yeah, man. Science ish. So it's really good. It's doing really well on the charts right now. And it's just interesting content. You feel like you learn something at the back end of being entertained. So I'm going to play a little game with you. All right. Okay. What am I going to win? Is there a prize? There's no prize. There's just kudos. All right. Yeah. Good but, currency, that. I yeah, like it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the game's called Two Facts, One Lie. Right? Go on. So I'm going to read out three statements to you. All right. And you've got to tell me which one you think is the lie. Are you ready? <laughs> I love this. Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay. All right. So okay. Pod- by the way, this could be a great podcast, by the way. Uh, yeah. Nice little short episode. Exactly. Two Facts, One Lie. Yeah, go on. So... The word broadcasting, mm-hmm. which obviously refers to, yeah. you know, radio, yeah. Radio, was actually originally an agricultural term for the wide scattering of seeds. Okay. Okay. Got well, that that's one? That's one, right? Okay. Broadcasting seeds. Yeah. Okay. Um, half of podcast listeners yeah. are under the age of 35. Ooh. Okay. That's all. Oh, that sounds yeah. like that could be close to being true. Go on. And finally, the term podcast 
was named after James Podsworth, the first person <laughs> who ever created an internet radio show. I know that that last one is bull crap. Right? <laughs> I'm going to call it that. I know that last one's bull crap. Because I've heard another, I've heard another theory. I hope I'm right. I'm sounding like I'm very, very, I'm very strong there. I think so. It's got to be between seed and podcast listeners. So I'm gonna give. So the second one is 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 it half of podcast listeners are under the age of thirty? Half of podcast listeners are under thirty five. Oh, that's so unfair to people that are over thirty five. <laughs> There's only one line there. Yeah. There's two I'm, truths. I'm gonna say. Broadcaster for seeds. Oh, that's right. I'm I'm gonna say because I'd I'd like to think that people over the age of 35 are enjoying podcasts. I'm gonna say that that is the lie. Right. I'm uh, hoping that. Okay. Is, right. And I, I I feel like I'm sure. Oh no no sorry two facts one lie sorry two sorry, facts third, one lie sorry the third one's a lie then sorry the third one's which a lie. one which one uh, which one the the one about um. Podsworth. Podsworth. No, that's a load okay, of right. That's right. the lie. Yes. Sorry. I was, I was starting was the other to, way around for a second. I was worry about you then. Oh, my, my mind is around that Podsworth. <laughs> I, I, I believe that the phrase podcast was something that was made up last minute before meeting with Steve Jobs. That's one of the theories I've heard. That's many an interesting times. one. So it's like, oh, what are we going to call it? It's something for the, for the iPod. It's some sort of RSS feed. Uh, it's for the iPod uh, the podcast. That may well be true, actually. I mean, we... We looked this up and yeah. um, apparently the first work time it was used in, I guess, media yeah. Yeah. Or, or sort of publicly yeah. um, was by a British journalist in 2004 right. where he was writing an article about the phenomenon of the podcast before it had been named. And he just wow. thought, well, what are we going to call it? Well, most people listen to it on their iPods, so we'll call it a podcast. Wow. That's apparently who it's credited to, but I suspect you might be right about that. So I think we'll have to dig into that more. Yeah, we'd love to find out. Um, It's true, broadcasting was originally referring to the scattering of seeds, which I think is quite interesting because, I mean, in a sense, you are scattering seeds still when you're sort of planting little seeds in people's minds, aren't you? Little ideas to grow. Great, nice. And um, yeah, half of podcast listeners are under 35, uh, while only 29% of traditional radio listeners under 35 so nearly 70 percent of people listen to radio are over 35 now so podcast really is replacing yeah. radio when it comes to the younger generation which i think is very interesting very yeah. very interesting well congratulations you get the kudos I of having kudos. Uh, sniffed out the rat there can't wait to yeah. take that down to the shops and yeah you know get a coffee i'll get a coffee for a kudos i'll get that i'll yeah. get your coffee uh, yeah. Yeah. For right. a, i get a, a piece of kudos <laughs> so i get some uh no, that's really interesting thank you very much for having no me worries. on the pod man and um yeah marcus thanks for coming down it's been really good cheers lovely thank to you. talk to you yeah, yeah. Man, thanks very much cheers i'll be subscribing listen <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to that episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you're thinking about setting up your own podcast, then I would highly recommend giving Marcus a shout. I also have to thank him and his team for creating the unique music for the opening of this series. If you want to listen to more episodes of The Big Chat, then please do subscribe to the series and also head over to YouTube where we've got some great video content from all the interviews. All the info you'll need about the episode is in the show notes. And if you can't find those, then head over to www.smallfilms.com forward slash big hyphen chat to find out more.